From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Bracely, presented by a Cloud Guru, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, in case uh, folks don't recognize the voice, this is Aaron. Um, I'm back. Um, and Brian, it's been a little while since we talked. How have you been, man? You've been traveling all over the world. I know. The uh, the rumors of you uh, quitting or uh, breakups and, and uh, aren't true. Uh, people were <laughs> people were worried. Yeah, no, things have things have been good uh, here on the show. Uh, welcome back to you. Glad, the mic- Thank you. glad your microphone's still working. <laughs> and he dusted it off. And uh, where, where have you been all these uh, weeks and, and weeks? So I've been in a uh, product launch crunch mode uh, for the last couple of weeks. Um, and it's been pretty intense, but product launched last week. And it's been really, really good. It was a great learning experience to kind of get the first really, really big launch um, under our belt that I, I personally was in charge of. And so it was good. It was really good, really exciting, but also really nice to have life semi sort of returning to normal. Uh, this week. <laughs> so yeah, I was uh, I was in Turkey this week. Um, got to got to go to the Middle East and that uh, was pretty cool. Went for an event for work. You've been traveling. I've been traveling. Everybody's been sort of busy. We've been trying to keep the show going and, and uh, hanging on by the, the, like they say, the skin of our teeth. But uh, it's good to have you back. One quick thing before we jump into our guest, because we've got an excellent guest this week. You know, we've got about uh, uh, three or four weeks before Thanksgiving starts, which means that unfortunately we're going to have to start training here pretty soon because the Krispy Kreme just announced uh, registration. So uh, folks, if you if you're new to the show, you'll learn about the Krispy Kreme run. For those of you that have been on forever, it's a Krispy Kreme run talking about time. So uh, that'll that'll be coming along. And Aaron, unfortunately, that means you got to break out your running shoes, and uh, we're gonna have to start getting ourselves yeah, marginally know, back in I, shape. I started running, and it lasted about two weeks, and then I stopped running, and that's been about four weeks. So yeah, it's time oh, to start running. Oh, so again. you've done so you've done all your training for the you're good to go. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, it's better than I think. Was it last year where I just ran it cold? I was like, I'm not even gonna train. Yeah. And exactly. I, I couldn't walk for like two days afterwards. <laughs> well, cool. Why don't we jump into our guest? Absolutely. So today we have a Cloudcast alumni returning guest, Nigel Poulton. Nigel, how are you doing, man? I'm pretty good. Thanks. Yeah. Good, so you guys good? good? Absolutely. Yeah, so well. welcome back to the show. It's hard to believe it's been probably a year, if I remember correctly, um, that we had you on talking about Docker. And so let's just kind of jump right into everything. How has the container market changed from your perspective over the last year? You know what? I think probably the biggest thing is that it's matured, which is a really good thing, right? Because if it needed to do anything, maturing was what it needed to do. Um, it's definitely done that, like I think in quite a few ways, right? So we just had DockerCon EU in Copenhagen maybe like two or three weeks ago. And I mean, take this the way I mean it, right? But as an event, right? I mean, I remember the early DockerCons, they were like, they were, they were just full of hype and it was, there's a, a vibe about it and all that kind of stuff. And there still is, right? But it's slowly getting a bit more boring. Well, actually, maybe boring's not the right thing, right? Um, maybe there's just like less hype and there's more real product there. You know, you can go and talk to people at booths now and just about everybody is starting to talk about uh, customers that they've got in production. You know, whether they're doing core container stuff or if they're doing storage volumes or networking or whatever it is, right? You get there and they're like, yeah, well, we've got like our first few customers in production and we're learning this and we're learning that, which was really important, I think, for the entire ecosystem. I think Kubernetes has come a long, long way. We'll probably talk about that a little bit later. You know what as well, though? I think that 
Docker Inc., like Big D Docker, have, I don't know, they, they've changed a lot. You know, they used to be this, um, what were they, Dot Cloud in, in the beginning, right? And then they became the container company, and then they became the container orchestration company. And with the recent announcement about Kubernetes, which we'll probably talk about in a bit, it's kind of like, well, well what are they now? So I'm going to leave you on a, like a bit of a cliff edge there to say, well, what are they now? And maybe we'll talk about that later. But if I could say anything about the container ecosystem is that it, it really has matured. It's got a long way to go still, but great strides have been made in the last year. Yeah, no, and, and I think boring's an okay word. I, if you're talking to like a venture capitalist, you don't necessarily want to use the word boring because um, you're not going to get the checks written. But in terms of mm-hmm. IT and IT infrastructure and all these sort of things, like boring is a perfectly good word. It means your business runs. It means you're not up late at night. It means, like you said, you've got some lessons learned. You've got some best practices and all that stuff. So there's nothing wrong with boring. I think it's, it's a perfectly good word for kind of what's been going on around containers and, and so forth. So when you were on a year ago, uh, you had, uh, it'd been a little bit, but you had written a, a really good book. Um, you'd written sort of the Docker book and you'd done a series of, of trainings that I have seen over and over again, just kudos from people about the trainings around Docker. You've mm-hmm. since started writing about Kubernetes. So what's what sort of shifted? I know, you know, we spoke a year ago, you were gung-ho about Docker. You were kind of excited about where that was going. What led you to go down this Kubernetes path and, uh, and start kind of trying to educate the masses in Kubernetes? Right. Well, I've always always been interested in Kubernetes since I've known about it. Um, I think, again, what has happened, though, in this last year is a, a huge, huge maturing. So I reckon probably about eight or nine months ago now, Pluralsight came to me. Pluralsight is the um, video platform that right. I, I do the video training courses for. Yeah, They came and said, look, you know what? We're getting tons of hits on the website for Kubernetes, and we have got nothing in the library for it. How about doing something for us? And, you know, when, when they come to you and they say, oh, yeah, we've got lots of people wanting to, to learn about this topic, your initial reactions, well, I'm going to do a course on that, right? Because um, it'll get a lot of views and it, it'll help a lot of people, right? But at the time, I had to kind of say to them, it's it's probably not a good time to do a video course on it, right? Because let's give the technology six months. They had a bunch of projects that just felt like really early in their life. Some of them were still in the incubation phase. And so I said, look, let's, let's revisit this in six months. By then, some of these core projects should be a bit more mature. And uh, good to their word, literally almost six months later, they can must have put a calendar invite in or something. They came back and said, how about that Kubernetes course now? And I said, you know what? It has totally matured. So let, let's give this a go. Now, look, I mean, that's great for me in a video course, right? And great for me to write a book. But if you're a customer, that's what you want as well, isn't it? Maturity. So So I think the big thing that has changed there is that I've always had my eye on Kubernetes. I've played around with it here and there and what have you. But when we first talked um, on the last, you know, the last time I was on, it was, I mean, it was hard to build and configure. It was, it just wasn't very mature. Whereas now, I mean, look, it's out of Google, right? And it's got all this community support because it's open source. But there is so much development work gone into that, that um, if you were to look at Kubernetes maybe a year ago and where it is now, it's like they are worlds apart. Yeah. You know, people, people know, like I sort of live the, the Kubernetes thing day in and day out in my, in my day job. And it is, it's, it's this weird thing, you know, there's, there's always this sort of fear you have in technology to ever kind of claim that something is, is winning because the, the industry moves so fast and things change. And, mm-hmm. but it is interesting to see how fast the Kubernetes thing has gone from, it went from complete kind of unknown. Google announces it. People really aren't sure if they should trust. I mean, they, they know that they trust Google because, you know, your Gmail always works and your search works, but you're not sure if you, they're going to kill off the project because they kill off projects randomly to, OK, 
okay, it's got a lot of hype, but like you said, it's super complicated to, yeah, the last year, the community has grown so much. We've seen literally almost every vendor on the planet say that they're going to be involved with it one way or the other. And you have all these customers in production. So it's it's been kind of a, a very interesting ride in terms of how fast it's gotten stable and mature and, and people have gotten on board with it. So yeah, the timing is uh, is very, very good for the book. So excited to, to kind of dig into it and, and then you know obviously dig into some of the training and all with it. Yeah. Can I just talk to the topic of trust real quick there? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things that I kind of see as change over like maybe the last three years of the container ecosystem. When it comes to trust, like if you were to compare Docker and Kubernetes, like Docker is sponsored by Docker Inc., the company, right, which is a startup. It's got a bunch of venture capital money, but it has to at some point in its life turn a profit. Otherwise, it's not viable as a business, yeah? Right. Um, so they have to, you know, as they're playing with the ecosystem, rather than being friends, it's a bit cheesy, right? But we call them frenemies, don't we? You know, you'll have Docker and then they'll be working with all these third parties. And although they're working together, they kind of all know that they've got their own agendas and what have you. Whereas when you look at Google, I mean, it mints so much cash out of its advertising business and everything else that it does. As cool as Kubernetes is and as important as it is to us in like our small corner of the world of IT infrastructure and what have you, at the end of the day, Google can be totally open with Kubernetes. It, I doubt it ever is bothered about making a dollar off of Kubernetes. You know, it makes so much money elsewhere that it can just play openly with the ecosystem. No hidden agendas. It's like, look, we're donating this to the community because we've got such deep pockets we don't need to care, right? And I think the ecosystem's bought onto that and said, you know what, look, we know what the agenda is here. We know know that they're not going to change the product on us without us knowing it and screw up our own business models and things. And the community has really rallied around it. And I think that's been huge in, in the maturing of the product, um, but also in the acceptance, you know, across the market, Microsoft, everybody, they're all like all over Kubernetes now. It makes perfect sense. And what's really interesting there too, is okay, that, that that's a learning from almost like a, a business and ecosystem and an open source standpoint. In addition to that, tell us a little bit about the research in the book and the trainings of, okay, what are some of the key takeaways at a lower level? Like if you're an admin, an ops, a developer, like if that's the high level takeaways, what are your low level takeaways? I would say like the big thing is for everybody, sysadmins and developers and DevOps and what have you, is don't ignore this stuff, right? It, it's not coming anymore. It, it's here. And if you're not aware of it within your organization, you know, if you work at a large enterprise, there's still a pretty good chance that there is a department or um, a function somewhere within the business that is already looking at this. So it's coming, right? It, and it's probably already here within your enterprise. I think at like a lower level, right, even if you weren't to particularly adopt Kubernetes, right, say you were to adopt another orchestration platform for containers or, I don't know, like Unikernels or whatever it might be in the future, function as a service, yeah? Um, is this whole idea of having like a declarative way of doing things rather than an imperative way. So rather than saying, let's have these huge long scripts of how we were uh, to build our environment and all that goodness, well, not goodness, I'm going to say badness, right? Instead of having that, let's have like a, a manifest file that we have in Kubernetes, right? For want of a better term and say, look, I want six instances of the web front end running in and, you know, three instances of whatever middleware or, or whatever's running and just make sure that they're always running. Just declare that like end state. I want five of the front end, three, two or three in the middle and, and one of the back end. And you know what, Kubernetes or Docker Swarm or Mesosphere or, or whatever, right? Just go make that happen for me. And then if something breaks, then, you know, don't log on to it and start hacking around and making all these kind of changes live in production 
that then never get reflected back to your gold build or whatever. Instead of doing that, if something breaks in it, if you can build a new image with the fixes in it and, and just roll out a clean new version and that whole way of thinking it and look, it's it's maybe another conversation, right? But it leans into microservices and and those kind of patterns, right? But for, for me, right, once I had that like aha moment, it was game changing. I'm like, I cannot believe the way I've been running IT infrastructure for the last 20 years or whatever. I mean, look, we didn't have the tools back then, right? So, you know, now, now is a good time. But when you compare the old ways of doing things to the way we're starting to do things now with the likes of Docker and Kubernetes, it's just, to me, right, it seems like it's so the right way to do it. And I know, like, it took me a while to get my head around it. So if you can go away and get your head around this, it's like you've seen the light. Right. And you, you bring up a fantastic point there because, you know, I think we get these light bulb moments with each technology wave. And it, if it does doesn't have that light bulb moment, it never gets mass adoption. And I'll give you a, a you know an older example is I think for all of us that that you kind of grew up in the virtualization space when we saw VMware do a V motion for the first time and you saw oh, a live yeah. demo of it, it was yeah. like that was your light bulb moment for virtualization. You're like, oh, I get it. And uh-huh. something like you're saying is like that's your light bulb moment for this for this. And so everyone needs to come to that that light bulb moment because that's what tends to advance industries and virtual arts excuse me, technology waves. Yeah, because like I I love technology just for the sake of technology, right? But I understand the fact that businesses don't. And unless you can say this is going to have a material positive impact on the business, then it's really, you you know, people are done with deploying technology for technology's sake, sadly, right? Because, you know, I just love tech, right? But yeah, that that vMotion suddenly made it like, oh, yeah. I mean, okay, I know that VMware, great for consolidation and stuff, but that I do remember that vMotion was like, oh, Oh, yeah. And I think it's the same with this kind of declarative model around the whole new microservices stuff. It's like, whoa. Yeah, that can that can benefit the business. No, it is. It, it's uh, you know, I, I think the Kubernetes world still needs a little bit of uh, maybe a little bit of marketing to sort of go like, what is that thing that is vMotion? But you're right. When, when you can show somebody sort of, you know, immutable infrastructure, you don't have to patch it anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, and you know, you show them, hey, you know, here's how the thing just sort of scales. Here's how it self recovers and self heals. And, you know, you can, you can kind of say to people like, no, it will, it will always look like this, right? The environment will always look like this. And you go like, oh, even through good times and bad times and whatever. And it's like, yeah, it will, it will always look like that. And the system just figures it out. We probably have to come up with a, a catchy name for that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it is a, it we is should a, do that. It is a, a light bulb moment. There you go. There's a, a marketing opportunity for somebody. So I want to, I want to switch gears a little bit. You, you know, you've mentioned, DockerCon, uh, DockerCon EU. Docker has gone through some interesting ebbs and flows, even just in the last six to eight months. The last DockerCon, the one that was in Austin, the big news was Docker is changing the name of the core project. It's now going to be called Moby. There was going to be this very distinct split between you know the open source little d docker moby community that was going to do their thing and then docker new ceo all this stuff you know everything was going to become branded docker docker ee there was going to be this distinction between the money making side of the business and the open source side and you were like okay well you know that's that's the approach they're taking um everything's going to be their own intellectual property for the most part um you know they're showing these these interesting demonstrations of security and swarm and all of a sudden they come to docker EU and it's like, hey, we're doing Kubernetes, which to me sort of feels like a 180 in terms of Docker's mindset of, hey, we're the lead for all the projects. We sort of dictate the user experience 
And then they they kind of had to say, hey, no, we're we're going to support this other thing that the community is is embracing more than our thing. I mean, what what's your take on just kind of them embracing Kubernetes, which kind of goes against this strategy they had of they were going to own the experience, they were going to own all the technologies, they were going to be the leads of all the projects? Uh, I guess first thing, right? So I'm speaking for myself here, right? Sure. I don't represent Docker Inc. or anybody else, right? I think they were bowing to the inevitable. I think the community had already chosen Kubernetes over Swarm. And I think they looked at the landscape and said, I mean, we can fight Kubernetes tooth and nail all the way if we want to, right? But we are a tiny company compared to Google and the community at large, right? So they could have spent two or three years going hammer and tong against Kubernetes. And you know what? I think they probably looked at in it, I guess, into their crystal ball and said, three years time, what, what's the landscape going to look like? Or, or what is Swarm versus Kubernetes going to look like? And it doesn't matter how much they put into Swarm. Within two or three years, the difference between Swarm as an orchestrator and Kubernetes is not going to be that much. Certainly not enough to say we've got huge differentiation here. Here, right? So they probably looked and said, look, we can plow all of this time and investment money and stuff into it. And what are we going to get at the end? We're going to get something that does exactly the same as Kubernetes? Hell, why don't we just deploy Kubernetes instead? Which Now, that's the way I see it, right? And, and I'm sure that there's some truth to that. But I imagine it was quite a brave decision to have had to make internally. Uh, but you know what else I think? Is that if we look at Docker starting out as dot .cloud and then pivoting to become the container company, and then maybe pivoting again to become the orchestration company, and pivoting again to become, I, I think now, right, a company that's looking at the enterprise experience okay um, it shows something that if I was an investor, right, I would see as potentially a positive. It looks like they're following the money. Um, what's that out? Is it Jerry, Jerry Maguire, the old film where it's like, show me the money. <laughs> it, it, it looks like that they've got the guts and the ability as an organization. I don't want to sound like a shill here, okay, because they might be gone in six months. Who knows, right? But it looks like they've got what it takes to see that the money's not here. And, oh, rubbish. We thought it was going to be here and it's not. Um, uh, so as the, like the ecosystem evolves and you know we're all starting to get kind of an idea as to where money will be made in the container ecosystem that they've got that ability to say well we're following the money right rather than saying no 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 we are the container company and and we're going to dig our heels in and we're going to do this and we're going to do that i think they've at least had the bravery or whatever look I, I i'm not thinking of the right word here but to say no we're not that proud we'll change and we'll follow the money which i think long term hopefully is a good thing yeah agreed so let me add two points to that actually so there is um so i'll compare and contrast that against rancher who we had on the podcast recently as well and they've they've kind of done similar things in that they've they've got their own stuff but then they embrace docker and then they embrace kubernetes as well and so i i think exactly what you're saying there is you know you have these smaller companies and they have to very much take a hard look at can they truly differentiate in their own and then do you embrace where everyone wants you to go as well and those that can successfully do both will succeed and survive. The 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 second point I wanted to add too was was, you know, we've been tracking, you know, Docker since they were dot cloud, right? I actually went and looked it up real quick here. Is that you know, the first time we ever had them on was show sixty six, um, which is, you know, I don't even know how many years ago that is, but it's probably five, five, five plus 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 years ago at this point. Um and it is very interesting to see exactly what you're talking about, how many pivots they've made 
But I think the pivots were, to their credit, the right pivots at the right times. Maybe sometimes a, a, a smidge late, but, you know, in companies like that and making decisions like that, that is something that, you know, when you're a smaller company, you can make those pivots a lot easier. The bigger they get, the bigger, you know, the harder it is to turn the ship. And to do something like this is is pretty impressive without a doubt. So let me ask you this. I'll ask you another question to follow up to that a little bit. What are your thoughts on, okay, Docker has kind of potentially Chosen that chosen this as a new new direction, um, but at the same time, uh, what do they have to do to kind of survive and embrace and be well known in the enterprise? Then is that is that more contributions to Kubernetes because they've been a little bit limited in their contributions to date? Like what do you what do they need to do to jumpstart that more than just hey we do Kubernetes? Yeah, I mean, so I think the first thing to say is although it was a bit of a shock at DockerCon EU, if you were watching like the back channels and what have you, it wasn't too difficult to know just like pretty decent ramp in the number of Docker people that were starting to contribute to Kubernetes project. Um, and I think the floodgates are probably open there now. We're probably going to see a lot more investment in it. I think as well, though, it's still relatively early when it comes to um, if you want to be an enterprise grade Kubernetes support company, like I'm not saying that is the deal, right? But, you know, if you, I guess all of these companies in the uh, container ecosystem would love to be able to get into the large enterprises that traditionally have the deep pockets and want to spend their money so that they can sleep at night, just have a support contract or whatever, right? They'd all love to be in there. It's where the money is. Um, it's going to be hard for Docker to get in there because they're a small company. So I think um, certainly they're looking at partnerships to get in. I think they're, they're fortunate in the fact that it's still relatively early. I appreciate there are a bunch of companies out there that um, do their own package Kubernetes and what have you. But I, I'm not seeing a lot of enterprises that have got like huge deployments of it out there. They do exist. I appreciate that, right? Um, so it's it's early and they can still do it. What do they have to do? I, I think if they can, if they can, and I, I think they are working on this actually with Docker EE and the universal control plane and the trusted registry and stuff is get together that kind of sort of suite of, if I can call it higher level products, like so you can have your own on-premises registry behind your own firewall and all that kind of stuff. And so you can build your own cluster to deploy Kubernetes workloads on that's um, secured end-to-end with TLS and it's got like a, an encrypted um, cluster backend store and all that kind of stuff. If they can build out a product set that says, you know, if you are going to be deploying Kubernetes, one, we're going to make it easy because it does have a bit of a reputation for being hard. Two, we're going to make it secure. And I think they've got a great substrate to do that with in, in Swarm. Maybe we'll talk about that. I, I don't know. Um, but then to say, and we've got our hooks deep into the, the core projects of Kubernetes, um, that kind of, that those three three pillars right sounds really cheesy but if they can nail that then they've got a fighting chance right but i still think it's going to be hard because you know they're competing against red hat and microsoft and and all these people that are already trusted partners of the big enterprises um so it's going to be a battle but i mean what are startups about at the end of the day they're about disrupting and they're about battling so um game on i think yeah and it, it gets to be really interesting. I mean, selling to the enterprise is never as clean as you think it's going to be. Um, no. You know, you you have to be very good at understanding, you know, who actually pays the bills versus who makes the decision. So, you know, who, who holds the budget versus who influences the decision. Um, I, I think it's been interesting to watch over the last couple of years how, you know, the competing whether it's companies or communities have sort of looked at each other and said, okay, 
you know, they're good at this. And so I'm going to go work on, on trying to get better at that. So, I mean, you had, you had Kubernetes had come out and, uh, you know, was, was sort of out of the bat, uh, you know, out of the shoot, um, kind of had this Google DNA built into it. It was good at scalability. Docker wasn't very good at scalability. So they, they rewrite swarm and they try and make it more scalable. Um, you know, the Kubernetes people hear that Kubernetes is really hard to get up and running. It's hard to install Docker's, you know, Docker's really easy to install. And so they spend a ton of time trying to make it simpler to install it and so forth. You know, now the, now the, the areas that people are kind of competing over are, you know, what's your user experience? How easy is it for, you know, developers to, to interact around things? Um, you know, Docker has sort of shown they've got a, a pretty keen eye for building kind of slick user experiences, right? Things like Docker for Mac. Mm-hmm. And, but then at the same time, you know, people are, are, you hear a lot from customers who are saying, well, you know, I want open systems. I don't want to get locked into another vendor. I've been through the Oracle or the Microsoft days of the past. And so, you know, you get this pushback for, I want a composable system as opposed to sort of a, a structured system. And so there, there is this really interesting ebb and flow, especially at a platform level of, you know, what's the thing that customers are willing to pay for versus, you know, what's cool in a demo and, um, you know, who is there a group that, you know, if security plays out as a cool demo, is the security team the one that holds the budget? And that's that I think ultimately becomes the big challenge in the enterprises. Yes, you have to have a certain amount of, of really good technology because they're they're making these long term decisions. But just as much like you have to be smart enough to understand how do they buy stuff? What what influences their decision? And, and that's always the challenge for for smaller companies versus bigger companies of do we really understand and grasp that and, and get all the nuances of it? So, so Nigel, we're we're kind of uh, hitting our time limit here. One final question. What what advice do you have for people that are trying to learn about containers or Kubernetes in general these days? What, you know, we had updated, uh, I'm sorry, we had, you know, your recommendations a year ago. What's, what's, what's the latest round of recommendations, if you will? Um, I think the big thing is just do it right. Um, I, I, did a presentation somewhere recently. I can't remember where it was. And I was talking about when I learned Windows NT4 and Windows 2000 back in the day. And I wanted a lab at home and I had to beg my employer to give me like two huge, dusty old PCs with one of those monitors that would break your back every time you lifted it, yeah? <laughs> and, 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 you know, you, you're building um, an NT domain or an Active Directory domain and you trash it. And then it's like four hours to rebuild it, you know? It's like, those are the bad old days. I mean, how hard was it to learn a technology back then versus now, right? Um, in fact, I just put a blog post up on my website yesterday or the day before saying, you know, to learn Kubernetes and Docker, here are three things, right? And I say, a video, a book, and a playground. Um, the videos would be my Docker and Kubernetes videos at Pluralsight. And the books, okay, again, is my Docker deep dive book and the Kubernetes book, right? But then I say, you need a playground as well, right? Now you can spin stuff up on your laptop and all that kind of stuff. But I think, and this is you know, re- relatively recent, the best way, in my opinion, is you go to playwithdocker.com, play-withdocker.com, or playwithkubernetes.com, and you are like one command away from a Kubernetes cluster. You just point your web browser there, click add an instance, and you have instantly got an instance, and you can install a Kubernetes cluster on it. You can add as many instances as you want, probably. I've done like four or five. Um, Add them into the cluster. You can do the same with Docker, right? Go to playwithdocker.com, add instance, boom, Docker Swarm, in it, boom, you've got a cluster there. It's like, I mean, don't want to get like overly emotional about this or anything but (laughs) i'm into education right at the end of the day and it has never been easier to learn important technologies than what it
it is now. I mean, what a world we live in, right? Where you can point your browser to a web page and within like a minute, you can have a fully working Kubernetes cluster. And then if you if you don't know what you're doing with it, then there's decent resources out there. I mean, there are other people will have video resources out there as well, right? But we live in a day, right, where you can get really well made and highly polished video training courses. None of the old stuff, you know, with dogs barking in the background and and, and people fumbling around like proper slick stuff. Uh, and then I've always been a fan of books since I read Mark Manassi's Mastering Windows Server 2000 book and I took it away with me on my honeymoon, you know. Um, I like books, ink and paper, and, and there's plenty of great books out there as well. So if you're thinking about wanting to learn like Docker and Kubernetes and stuff, seriously, like there is nothing stopping you anymore. It, it's, it's so easy. It's like it's rude not to, if you will. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Uh, you know, not to, not to, not to sort of, uh, downplay all the the hard work that the night has been working on with his book um, there's another great site if you're you know getting the, getting the environments up and running is is awesome and then you're like all right cool what can I go play with and then sometimes you're like all right well where should I start there's a great uh, site on the web called katacoda c k a t a c o d a and those guys are, are great tons of technology that basically are like here's some self-paced um, kind of structured things and stuff and so yeah, I completely agree with you. Like there is something for everybody that says like, I want training wheels. I don't want training wheels. I want to go deep. I, I'm afraid to go deep. Uh, you know, I don't want to mess up my environment. But like you said, the beauty is you can get them all running in like a couple of minutes. You can blow them up in a couple of minutes. They shouldn't cost you more than a few dollars a day or something to play with them. So you can do them whenever they're not huge investments anymore. It is, it is pretty amazing, you know, given how old all of us are, how much stuff is advanced and, and, you know, you're, you're not having to, you know, take a second mortgage to figure stuff out or take six months or um it is it is pretty amazing what's how this stuff's evolved now that it's all software so that stuff is very we're living the dream yeah exactly exactly all these new kids with their new toys it's i'm I'm jealous of them so well cool man thank you so much for the time real quick uh give us a plug for uh, all the places you're doing all the trainings and books and and places that people might find you out and about maybe you know speaking or or events and so forth sure yeah so my website is nigelpolton.com i'm not very original when it comes to names actually that leads on to my kubernetes book I just called it the Kubernetes book because I couldn't think of anything better. Um, I've got a book called Docker Deep Dive. And if you go to pluralsite.com, good luck spelling that, and just type my name in, it'll bring up all my Docker and Kubernetes courses as well. Um, and I'm on Twitter at, at Nigel Poulton. And I only ever talk about technology, ne- never anything else. Nice. Yeah. And folks, I, I can't recommend Nigel's stuff highly enough. You, you you just have to go around and look you know, look at his, his ads on Twitter and you just see people that go like, I learned so much. The training was great. Um, so highly, highly, highly recommend those. Nigel, listen, uh, I know you're, you're busy. You've got some things to get to. Thank you so much for the time this morning. Uh, we want to let you go, but uh, thank you again for, for coming back on. Hopefully we can do this more than once every year. And uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next six to 12 months from, from where we are today in this fast moving market. So thank you again, folks. Uh, great to have Aaron back on. Uh, Nigel, great to have you on today. And, and with that, we're going to wrap it up and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts, show notes, and everything social media. And visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.